Hello, my name is Özlem Sarıoğlu and this is The Coaching Program, sponsored by Sparkas, a coaching tech company that optimizes coaching and mentoring solutions for cultural transformation, talent and leadership development within organizations. Welcome to the show. Hello, coaching passionates around the globe. Welcome. You're listening to The Coaching Program, the show that brings you tips and tricks of designing and implementing successful coaching programs within your organization. I'm your host, Özlem Sarıoğlu, a professional coach and co-founder of uh, Sparkos Digital Coaching Platform, which scales meaningful coaching experiences to larger audiences within organizations. In this episode, my guest is Ayça Erkol, business executive officer of Nestle Prina. Uh, pet care and being a business leader she is also one of the leaders uh, trainers internal coaches and mentors of Nestle welcome Aicha hello Azla so great to have you here with us so great to be here with you so um, I made a short intro but uh, can you just uh, talk more about yourself to the audience of course let me start from the beginning I'm an Istanbul uh, girl I'm born in Istanbul 1976. Uh, I'm a graduate of Istanbul Technical University as a chemical engineer, but I never did my uh, engineering actively, to be honest. So it's maybe not that correct to say that I'm an engineer. Then I moved to business management uh, in the uh, master's degree. I'm a graduate of Boğaziçi University MBA degree. Uh, then I worked in a local company called Kopash Cosmetics before I joined Nestle. Uh, in the personal care marketing department, like a, approximately two years. Then I moved to Nestle as management trainee. That was 20 years ago. Uh, hard to say and hard to believe. Uh, and I worked in different departments, always as a commercial person, sales, marketing, business management, and in different categories. And for the last three and a half years, I have been in this uh, position you mentioned as uh, Purina Pet Care Business Executive Officer. Great. And uh, how did your relationship with coaching started? It started mandatory, let me say, <laughs> to be honest, at the, at the beginning, like a couple of years ago. But, you know, in the in the management committee, we realized that I mean, the world was changing. And of course, we needed these new uh, ways of uh, running our people, managing our business. And coaching was a very active tool we needed to we were aware of this but it wasn't the practice we didn't have the muscles at all in the company so uh, we started with trainings and you know mandatory programs of course we started to uh, we wanted to start from the from the mancom level uh, but as you can imagine when you have no muscles at all it looks like um, a burden at the beginning so where has this come from so in all this you know hectic fmcg environment do we really need it another buzzword will we really use it? Will we really benefit from it? Of course, these were the questions we had in mind. So as you know, better than I do, there are many, many, you know, schools and different methods, but Nestle chose the growth methodology. So we took all the trainings based on this growth methodology. And as we had no muscles, again, at the beginning, it looked a little artificial, you know, especially in the trainings. So during the first training, let me confess, I really didn't like it at all. I almost hated it because, you know, you just start thinking, okay, now I'm in the G, then I move to the reality part. I need to ask open-ended questions, or at the same time, I have to listen. So it really looked very, you know, like in a role play or as if you were on the stage doing a, doing a theater. But then uh, as you moved forward, because that, there's no escape from it, then we realized it. 
And after that, we started to see that it really worked. In fact, once you move from this funny state and once you have an open mind about it and once you start to practice, you start to see the impact of it and then it becomes a habit as you make it a part of your daily life. So it started mandatory, but then like in every maybe love relationship, let me say, it started with hate, but then uh, I loved it so much, it really became um, a part of my daily life. Uh, and I voluntarily took to train the trainers uh, at the company, and now I'm also acting as a uh, trainer as well for the for the beginner level. Yeah, it's beautiful that you bring yeah. this story, the especially the love and hate relationship, because when I'm uh, also giving trainings, that's also one of the first questions. Like, uh, you know, we have all these responsibilities, time pressure of doing stuff, and uh, like it is like sounds like a nice to have. Are are we really role playing? Is it going to really work? Uh, so these are something. I typically, uh, you know, hear a lot in trainings. So it's great to hear someone who started from that place and so, uh, you know, went into it so much. And uh, may I ask, like, what was the turning point? Do you have a specific moment in mind that was like, oh, this, this changed everything? Yes, it started in a, in a role playing. But one of my, you know, colleagues, she brought an actual topic on the table. So it was a role playing, but we were discussing on a, on a real topic, a real problem of hers. And uh, I asked uh, two really powerful questions. I don't exactly remember what they were, but I really saw it in her eyes that she had this aha moment. And later afterwards, she also came up to me and said, it really worked. Huh? You made me start thinking about this in that different angle. It also lit a light bulb in my head. Uh, so I, when I, when you start, of course, to see that it is actually working, then your whole perception changes and you start embracing it. Then, of course, I made it part of my um, daily routine in in, the, in my team. But to be honest, you know, usually in the, especially in the FMCG sector, when it is so hectic and in the in the management level, most of the people uh, are, you know, very much result focused. What we call the red personality, they are drivers. And usually they are not very active listeners. My red is also quite high, but I'm a yellow personality by type. So I am more on the people side rather than the task side, let me say. So I'm lucky in that sense that it comes to me a little bit naturally uh, to see that I'm actually helping people and they're helping me back. And it is really needed in today's environment. So I, it comes to me as a natural thing. Uh, but it's not easy. Like I say, on average, people are very much, you know, uh, under time pressure. They are very much result focused and driver by personality. So at the beginning, at least to them, it looks like a burden and unnecessary, you know, mm -hmm. pressure at the beginning. And generally, the experience probably for your side as well is like, uh, at one point, it just gains more time to the people rather than, you know, spending a lot of time asking questions. It just uh, maybe not at the very evident at the very beginning, but after a while, it uh, empowers the people you work with, and of course, it brings more time. Uh, but yeah. it it really has to be experienced, like the moment you say, like you you need to experience yeah. those aha exactly. moments. Exactly, because you know, in uh, not uh, maybe in the pandemic, but especially before when we were in the office all the time, it was really so hectic. I'm not exaggerating. Most of the time, I just could find some five minutes to go to the restroom and then come back to another meeting. I had so many, you know, back-to-back -back meetings. And still on the corridor, someone was telling me something. Uh, he or she was saying, okay, actually, while we're walking to the toilet, 
it's it's a very short topic i can i can tell you that was the reality so in such a world it's really not easy to sit down and listen actively yes it may look like this but as you say uh, if you make it a habit then in the mid to long term you see that it, it gives you time because if you don't develop the people if you always tell them what to do then they will always come back and ask you uh, instead of finding their own solutions or come to you with the at least with their ideas of solutions but if you just tell them what to do it will everything will remain your problem your issue and you will be working on their issues as well on top of your own issues so <laughs> You have to get this perspective to realize that it's actually, like you say, it gives you right time, creates you time. Yeah. And since you brought the pandemic, did, did the dynamics change uh, in terms of the di- uh, in terms of the pandemic, uh, especially in terms of your coaching? Of course, it did. Uh, I mean, both like in everything else. I mean, cons and pros. Um, I prefer to have it like face to face, of course, especially if it's. Um, you know, delicate topic, if it's a personal issue, I really prefer to have it face to face. And I think everyone is really uh, sick of looking at the screen after one, one and a half years. But on the other hand, uh, especially if you are living in a city like Istanbul, we eliminated all this unnecessary time we spend in the traffic or, you know, all these big meetings. In fact, we don't have to attend to, but you attend to anyway because it's in the same building and you are maybe optional but you go anyway so we skip those and we have some more time relatively more time for for coaching and mentoring so i see that it's in a way it's more you know uh, qualified in that sense so it's both pluses and minuses i can say but it changed definitely changed. yeah that's good to hear and uh maybe let's go one step back and Discuss about like how is coaching used in Nestle, generally speaking. I hear that it is a part of the leadership style, but are there like some programs or like how is it generally used? Yes. First of all, I mean, everyone who is a Nestle employee should take these trainings uh, about the goal model. So any Nestle person should know at least the basics about this. And it is also mandatory to go to the second tour as well. Now it started as only the first part was mandatory, but now we also increase to uh, include the medium level, let me say. Uh, and we also uh, have a special program in which we have our talents, like we have 35-40 of total talents in Nestle Turkey. They're high adapters, high achievers, or really assets of the company. So they are um, made couples with uh, management committee members. So uh, they have the chance to get coaching uh, from us. So that's an official program. We just had the relaunch of it like two months ago we actually had the program but again due to the pandemic we really had to pause it for a while and it wasn't that active so we uh, wanted to relaunch it now we have it so officially i have like two coaches from that program two of the company assets that say but i also do it to my uh, entire team mostly of course you know they on a daily basis on like what we call the coffee corner coaching but with two of them i have official sessions as well which are scheduled on the calendar and everything and we also evaluate those sessions so um, at the beginning of these you know um, talent uh, matchings let's say the coach the coachee and the leader of the the coachee they come together and make a contract so we have an official uh, system wise contract so they they have an um, initial meeting in which they shake hands on the principles so what the journey will be like how many sessions what are the the topics they will cover at the first uh, introductory meeting, all the three uh, participants are there. 
then of course the, the leader moves away and the coach and the coachee start their journey. And when the journey ends, again, the three of them come together and evaluate overall. And also, of course, by the end of the, the eight to 10 sessions, we also evaluate with a questionnaire. So if both parties are happy or not. And we also have uh, what we call a Nestle and I survey. We run it in the whole company, like in every two or three years. And in between, we have what we call the pulse surveys. This is an overall um, happiness questionnaire for the employees, how happy they are about the company, if they are happy to work with us, if they think of continue to work with us or not. And there are many questions, of course, many uh, angles we cover. It's not only about coaching, but coaching is uh, one of the uh, topics that we also ask the employees. Do you have enough coaching from your leaders? Uh, are you happy with the coaching you get? So officially, it's also in these questionnaires uh, evaluated and reported. And then we give targets. It's also what we call the uh, operational master uh, plan of the company, OMP of the company. We always put something related to people, and most of the time it's about coaching. So we also have, you know, net targets, uh, very, you know, uh, clear KPIs, and we evaluate by the end of the year. So it's really yeah. That's uh, a very important part that you're speaking about because we always see that if that kind of a top management um, directive is lacking in terms of people development and especially in terms of coaching, uh, generally it's seen as a nice to have tool for just you know people development, something to use to fix people, not a regular part of the uh, development journey of the organization. So it's wonderful to hear that it's in the KPIs, it's in the overall uh, plan of the organization. I think that creates a lot of uh, yeah uh, difference, really. Yeah, you're right. It took a couple of years. Of course, it didn't happen uh, like this in the blink of an eye. But now uh, I'm happy and proud to say that it is actually part of the daily routine. Yeah. And you said something about especially the talent development and how your uh, how the top management is uh, giving one-on-one -on -one sessions to to talents. Uh, I know that when there it is the internal coaching involved, especially with the top management, it it easily turns into a mentoring session rather than coaching. Uh, do you see that it is happening, or or is it just okay that it does? I mean, how 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 is the approach there? At the beginning, we I mean before this muscle building, again we want to have a clear you know differentiation. So okay, it shouldn't be mentoring; it should be coaching. We were focusing on the uh, the differences between the two. Uh, but now it changed a little bit. So we know that coaching is not the only tool in the manager's toolbox, let me say. And even within a session, you can, and if you build the muscle and if you are experienced enough, you can switch between those different hats during even the same session. But uh, they say now you have to be aware of this. Don't think that you are coaching someone when you are mentoring someone. If you are aware of this, <laughs> if it's still working, <laughs> both for the coach and coaching, then it is acceptable now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think that's the that's the key point, like being aware of the hats and which hats you're using and making it obvious to the yes. other party. <laughs> and uh, since you you also have all these hats, like you you are a mentor, you are a coach, internal coach, you're a leader as a coach. Uh, which one comes more handy to you? Which one do you like better? <laughs> Difficult question. Um... I think now coaching, but at the beginning it was mentoring. Again, from time to time it is. Um, it depends on the on the person, on the topic. If you are working with a more uh, junior person, for example, if that person really needs your guidance and need to learn from your experience, then 
you should not insist on that it should be coaching because imagine yourself in the in the shoes of the coach it can also be annoying huh you go to have some clear guidance and you know uh, recommendation but that person is asking you endless questions and try to get an answer from you so yes you have to know uh, your person and uh, the topic and where you want to go and where the coach wants to go uh, so it it differs it differs let me say but Both of them, I can say yeah, now, 50-50, I enjoy. Uh, so it's, yeah, I think it takes time for, for you to get used to a new muscle, to, to enjoy it, yeah, both when it comes exactly. handy. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Because, you know, at the beginning, it's really your tendencies to tell the person, especially if it's a hectic day for you as well. And like I say, in between, you just have the time to go to the toilet and come back and you will attend the other meeting. And sometimes, you know, the sessions really, I mean, It's very normal that maybe in one coaching session you don't go anywhere that day. It's really you make very, very small progress. That's fine. But like I say, in our world and with our personalities, we may have the tendency to, you know, get bored with it. And okay, let me tell you this, do it and <laughs> let's move to the next meeting. So if you don't uh, control yourself, you may fall into this trap very easily. Yeah. And how do you get yourself out of the trap when you recognize yourself? I mean, I'm just asking this as a, not personally, but as also you're a trainer and you might receive those questions. That's why I'm curious. Again, with experience, you realize, huh? You uh, and if you are, your self-awareness is high, it's impossible for you not to realize. And also from the coaches' reactions, body language, facial expression, it's, Sometimes they don't say it, especially if they are the young talents of the company. So this is 25, you're 45, you're a Mancom member. Not all of them are, you know, as, even if the new generation is more, you know, open uh, to express themselves, still they may have the tendency to stay back and not say it clearly. But from the body language, facial expression, you understand. <laughs> yeah, that's a very, very good top, uh, point, actually. Never thought about it. But yeah, the other party also gives you signals they before do. you recognize they, it. You lose the eye contact. I mean, they start to look, look blank or it's obvious that they don't get your meaning. You understand that. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. And uh, yeah, talking about your experience as an, uh, you know, trainer also, what are some things that you recognize? I mean, what are some messages you feel like giving every time in the in the trainings when the managers are first embarking on coaching? Um, many. I mean, first of all, listening. Listening is such an important part of this. And we are not good listeners in today's world when it is so, you know, fast and hectic and everything, especially in the FMCG sector. We don't have the time or the patience to listen enough. We tend to, we have the tendency to jump to conclusions. Okay, I have seen this uh, situation before. Okay, so I have been in your shoes before. So we automatically won't jump to the conclusion part and we don't listen enough. This is one thing. And also feedback. Uh, I mean, Nestle is a, you know, European uh, culture. It's a European uh, company. It's not a US-based company. So we have this, you know, difference. It's, we may be too nice sometimes in giving feedback. Uh, in appreciation, okay, but in giving, you know, uh, development feedback, uh, again, we didn't have any muscle at all, like 20 years ago, to be honest. But in this journey, we also built the muscle. And uh, But still, it's uh, especially first-time leaders, first-time managers, they really have difficulty in giving direct feedback, especially if the coaching or mentoring is about, you know, career expectations, if the coachee, Uh, clearly is expecting something, but they are not on the same page. 
if uh, they need to be direct with you know the the guidance they don't want to say and they don't want to give the feedback and they try to avoid it this is uh, what i see mostly and uh, what else i mean they also um underestimate the, again the importance of the body language and the, the mirroring for example at the beginning when they don't have enough experience they spend so much energy and time on checking themselves the role model am i doing it correctly where am i now is it the goal setting is it the reality part then they lose this natural flow of things and they look like a, you know a robot at the beginning so they are just thinking about their own process and very obvious when you do this role playing uh, it's very obvious but we always tell them that's normal that's really normal with real experience you will overcome this we were also like this at the beginning then they start to relax and it becomes natural yeah i think there is also that performance anxiety there like i should be a good coach and that comes yes. exactly in between the coaching process Yes, and everyone's watching. Uh, yeah, especially. In the, yeah, <laughs> I remember um, we were in a um, ICF conference, and uh, one of the questions we got was like, "When did you recognize uh, like a good session?" And most of the participants shared the moment where I didn't exist anymore. It was all about the other person. So I think that is a level to come. It it's, so looks like very, you know, very easy to say, but you know, it is it is the uh, yeah the development of the muscle probably comes in that moment where you're. It's no longer about you, and you're really curious about what yeah, the other yeah. person is talking and about. And I think and, when you say that, yeah. it should also yeah. be you know. Uh, voluntary up to a level yes of course it's part of the daily routine and as a leader we have to do it as well but i think it's again like a chemistry so uh, at least if you're a beginner go with the people that you feel more you know uh, connected to that you already have the rapport with rather than a total stranger because it's really easier both for the coachee and the coach that you have to build this relationship and you're not that experienced, it will take even longer, etc. So maybe they should start really uh, at a beginner level, let me say, with the people they are more acquainted with. I think it will help. Yeah, that's a very yeah, good point. Good. I always also say it in the, in the trainings. And I, I also believe it is even harder. I mean, if it is a new person that you don't really know, is a little bit yes harder with the people when you compare it with the people you already have the report and with some of the people that we are managing especially as leaders we actually have a very bad relationship <laughs> you know there is like there is not even a positive one but a negative one and try to uh you know start coaching first them is then it turns into fixing then it turns into like trying to tell them what to do and this is not the place to start but sometimes or you know managers uh tend to go you know first start with the challenge maybe because it's the business environment we all like challenges i don't know but like if if coaching can work for this person then it can work for everyone but actually no it doesn't <laughs> yeah yeah um, uh, just one more question about uh, in the organization. Is there any kind of a technology you use for tracking or for any other uh, means in this digital world? Or Not specifically, but I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it all turned into Teams uh, meetings anyway. I'm not even counting that, but no, nothing special, no. So um, I think we, we covered everything, but maybe let me ask you 
uh, one li little tip in terms of it could be to, to people who are training managers. You can use your, you know, uh, trainer set as well. But, you know, as a, as a business leader, maybe as well. So anything you'd like to share with the audience that they should know about this while we are together on this call? Uh, yeah, mo mostly we covered, I think, the tips with you, but uh, they should definitely have an open mind about it. Uh, because some people, let's be honest, they don't believe that coaching will work. We, they just think that it's a buzzword and it's just uh, to look nice on paper. But they should have an open mind about it, like everything we try. I mean, think about many of your hobbies or your experiences in life. Mo most probably uh, you didn't like them at the beginning, but then you started to enjoy it. Or even people like we said again, the love-hate relationship. So you don't love like everyone at the at the beginning, but if you give them a chance and if you have an open mind about it, then it may surprise you. The relationship surprise may surprise you. It's the same thing with coaching. And again, listening, like you say, that's the, of course the ultimate point, the Zen point, where you no longer exist and only the coachee exists. That's really the top point. But if you are not an active listener it's impossible. If you just think about what you will express, if you think about your experience, uh, it will never work. Then you don't listen to that person. You think you do listen, but you actually don't listen. So these two, two tips, uh, easy to say, but not easy to do. They will also experience after they start coaching, uh, but they should keep in mind. I yeah. Guess. And I think listening is, especially if you're talking about leaders, is not only for the coaching. It's like you need it everywhere like you need to listen to your customers as well to understand what's going on in the market etc so yeah that's an important one and i just re recognize that uh, i also have one thought in my mind since nestle chose to uh, not to have outside trainers but inside trainers like business people giving the training do you know if, if what was the reason behind it if, during your you know train the trainer process did they ever tell tell you like why the internal people are chosen as the trainers uh, actually but uh, we, we are also leaders because we need the muscle and once you get into the details of the of the program then you are more of course uh, accustomed to it then you like it more than the, the rest of the, the average of the company. So I think it was a clever idea to do it. We also use some, uh, of course, uh, outside support as well, especially at the Mancom level. If I need coaching, then the company may support me with, you know, professional coaches like yourself from outside. But I think up to a point, um, to the level where we all need to I mean, use it, uh, I think we do a sufficient good job, good enough job. And I think it was a clever idea to include everyone. And also for the rest of the company, it's also easier uh, for them to uh, see you as a as one of them on the stage and talking about their experience rather than a total stranger coming outside and giving them a lecture. If I go and say, because I've been with the same company for 20 years, everyone knows me very well, I know them very well. So I have maybe in a way, uh, up to a point at least, I have more credibility than a total outsider. So. I think it was a clever idea. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's a very good point because, I mean, we, we, I, I was speaking with someone also who has built an internal coach pool. So I just suddenly recognized that there is that, that link and uh, very similar arguments they had. Yeah. Thank you so much for all this, you know, your, your time and the valuable contribution because I think this is very rich because most of the time people hear about coaching from either external coaches or as people who has been in coaching for, you know, their main job is coaching, but hearing it from a, another angle from someone 
who is actually her her main job is business but coaching has been uh, a passion at the end after the hate <laughs> so i think that's that's a very beautiful beautiful contribution that most people don't generally have so thank you for the time thank you so much Azam. it was my pleasure as always so thank you all for joining us on this episode of the coaching program Make sure to subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're having your podcasts. If you found this conversation helpful, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or you can simply tell a friend about the show who might benefit from it. Be sure to tune in for our next episode next week, and let's all create more meaningful coaching experiences for everyone. See you all.